to say thank you to all of our guests again for being here, and uh, we are thankful that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, it's special to us that you came here, so uh, we want to encourage you to go by. There's a welcome center over here. We just have a gift that we want to give to you uh, to say thank you, and if you have any questions um, about the church, about what we, uh, we have in our message today, we'd love to, uh, to talk with you, answer those questions. So um, we have been in a study uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and so if you're a guest, we uh, want to encourage you to jump in with us because it's a vital uh, study, a vital message for us who have put our faith in Christ, uh, the church uh, of Jesus Christ. And uh, we talked about last week uh, about leadership, and we got one point in, and that point was that leaders lead. And again, we've gone along this study. The book of Acts is that uh, basically historical account of the first church. Jesus has died, he rose again, he walked on the earth for, for many days after that, and then he ascended back to heaven, and he gave uh, to his followers uh, the instructions of what they were to do until he came back. And they continued on in his uh, teaching, they encouraged each other, each other and uh, God began to build the church. And again, that's what we're seeing in the book of Acts, is what God has been doing in these first followers after Jesus has ascended. And uh, again, we've learned so much, taking points of emphasis, taking uh, things along the way that we can apply. This has been 2,000 years now. Again, history has shown uh, what God has done throughout the church history, and uh, we, there's no question about what God has done, and that is shown himself faithful through his people. And again, we are learning those lessons, and uh, th that point about leaders lead is such an important point because uh, when we think about that, we know that leaders, that means that leaders are faithful, leaders serve, leaders show up. As I said last week, you don't have to worry about a leader being there. A leader is there because they understand uh, the importance of it, they understand uh, the purpose in it, the why and all that. And so again, uh, that is so important. Leadership, what is it? Some people say, well, it's when you have the power, when you're the boss, and uh, it's not. Leadership is example. Leadership is influence. And again, we've seen different examples of that. One of those was Stephen, who was the first, one of the, probably the first leader of the deacons in the church, and uh, he was martyred. <laughs> in other words, he, he gave his life to Christ. He, um, he was obedient to what Christ had called him to do, which was share the good news of the kingdom, and he began to do that, but he began to do that with people that didn't like him, and it, it brought about his martyrdom. And then the next guy, the next deacon steps up, and it, his name is Philip, and that's the example that we saw last week. Uh, he was faithful. Uh, he was taken to a city that was despised by the Jews. There were a group of people called the Samaritans in Samaria, and he went down there and began to preach. And again, I want to point out the reason why this this point of leaders leading being so important is because many parents and, and even grandparents today are giving poor leadership examples when it comes to following Christ. Uh, and, and that's not to be critical, but that's just the truth. We see a lot of parents who profess to know Jesus Christ, but they aren't following him with all of their heart. And so that's the example they're setting for the next generation. If the next generation sees a, a lack of passion for the things of God, then we can expect nothing more than a lack of passion for the things of God as each generation uh, passes by. Again, the, the decisions that are often made by those who don't take the kingdom of God, don't take Jesus Christ as important as they should, those decisions say that Jesus is important 
for sure. His church, his kingdom, it's all important unless something more appealing, something more important, something in the world comes along to, to grab our attention and grab our focus and, and for us to chase after that. And, and again, I'm not talking about things that providentially hinder us. You know, there's times that we can't make gathering together as the people of God, and, and some of those reasons are we're sick. You know, if you're sick, don't come to church, you know. Don't bring it to everybody else. Uh, sometimes we have to work. Sometimes that's just the way it is in the system of the world that we live in. Uh, we're called to, to work, and we can't gather with the people of God. Uh, that's something that you can't uh, specifically make a decision about. Um, maybe you go on a vacation or two. Now, well, we're on a vacation 10 times a year. <laughs> that's, that's not what God desires of his people. He desires his people to be together and, and to, to worship him and to encourage each other and to be reminded of what he's told us. I believe that we could be one generation of seeing that complete falling away from the faith. I believe it's happening right now. We're seeing it. I want to jump back into this after, again, seeing the importance of being a leader, uh, of, of leadership. And I want to remind you, you say, well, are you talking about in the church? Y yes, and in life in general. Uh, because we all have some measure of influence. You may not think that that person's watching you. You may not think that that person knows that you profess to be a Christian. Uh, there's so many different factors, but we are all setting an example. We're all an influence to someone. And we've got to remember that that is something that God has entrusted to us. And we've got to live out faithfully what he has entrusted with us. So let's pray, and uh, we're going to jump into this. Again, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do. And we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for loving us uh, enough to, to die in our place for our sins, Lord. Thank you for uh, the hope, the, the confidence that we have beyond this life. Because not only of what you've done on the cross, but because you rose from the grave, Lord, we know that we can have life through you alone. And that, that causes us to just celebrate, Lord, what we've done today already, sing and, and praise you in song. And, and now we turn to you in your word, and we want to make sure that uh, our ears are open. Lord, our hearts are ready to receive what you have to say to us. Lord, I, I know that it's important, eternally important, uh, the time that we spend together now. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just work in an amazing way and uh, just use me as a simple vessel so that you alone are glorified. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 8 is where we, we pick up. And uh, again, so Philip, we, we, we saw, had been, had been preaching to these Samaritans. And look what happens. The multitudes with one accord heeded the, th the things that, uh, that, with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, sorry. Hear, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And it goes on in verse 7 to say, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And verse 8 says this, and there was great joy in that city. Um, I, I, I want to just point out again that the prophecy for this time uh, was continue, continuing to be fulfilled in these leaders. Uh, the power that was given to this first church was unique. It was from God. It was by the Holy Spirit, of course. Uh, but it was in this apostolic age, this, this New Testament, the new covenant that was started by the blood of Jesus Christ being shed uh, was, again, this, this power was given to them so that the Lord's authority 
could be exercised in his absence. So again, Jesus is walking the earth. He's healing the lame. He's giving sight to the blind. He is he's causing those with withered hands to, you know, to he's God. And, and he's showing that he has healing power. That physical healing power only pointed to his ability and power to heal spiritually. And he always did that. He always showed that he had the power to heal lives, to heal infirmities, to heal sicknesses, only to, again, to point to the fact that he was the source of life and healing. And again, our most important sickness is our spiritual sickness, sin. And so again, he gave those apostles this apostolic power to continue on in that work, to see the, 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 the lame walk, to see the blind see, so that in Jesus' absence, people knew, okay, th- this is the real deal. This is the church. This, these are the people of God. These are the ones who are following Jesus. This is his church. Because there was a lot of people in that day who were claiming to be the Messiah. There was a lot of people in that day that were claiming to be from God. And again, these apostles had the authority, had the power to show that they actually were the ones uh, who had the, the, the teachings, had the power from Almighty God. And so again, we see that as Philip is being obedient, again, leaders lead, he just saw Stephen martyred. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I want to go tell people that Jesus died for them because they are sinners. And if they don't accept Jesus' sacrifice, they're going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment, a place that was actually designed for Satan and his demons. People might get mad at me. Well, Philip saw just how mad people got at him in that day and time. They killed Stephen. And, St- and Philip didn't say, oh, no, no, no. I got too much going on in my life to, to tell somebody about Jesus. It may cost me my life. I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to be a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want to lose everything. He could have said that. And then I think that would have gone against exactly what Jesus had taught. Unless you forsake everything you have, you can't be my disciple. Well, Jesus wasn't saying you have to forsake everything. He was talking about the condition of our heart and faith when we put our faith in Christ. It means that we can't hang on. We can't be willing to say, well, can I still do this or can I still do that? Can I still live like this? It has to be, I realize I'm a sinner. If I, not, if I don't get saved, I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And so I, I'm going to give Jesus everything. I'm going to trust him entirely with my life. So Philip does what leaders do. He, he steps up. He shows up. He shares the gospel. He goes down to Samaria in this, again, doing these things that only the Holy Spirit, only God can do. And the Bible says that they received what he, he had. They saw the miracles that were done. And there was great joy in that city for the things that were done. Again, people were seeing outward works done. People's lives were being changed. Again, he, people's uh, lives you know, were being raised from, from being lame. And, and all these things were going on. And they rejoiced. And I want to say this. Praise God for that. There's no doubt. Whenever something is seen outwardly, man, you're, you're, you're struggling, you don't have a job, you, you're, you're, you really need God to show up and help you in this way, you really need him to help. And God shows up, and he, and he opens a door, and you get a job, and you're like, man, I see the, the, the hand of God working. Or, or maybe you've been sick, and you say, God, please heal me. I, I need to get better. I've been sick for so long. And God heals you. Maybe, maybe he restores a relationship. Maybe he does something that you can see outwardly. There's no question we should praise God for that stuff. But it makes me wonder how much we are like those Samaritans in rejoicing in the things that we can see only. They rejoiced. They had great joy as they saw these things happening. 
Are we like them? As we, we rejoice with great joy as long as we can see that outward working of God in our life. As long as we don't have the financial struggle, as long as we don't, as long as we have a job, as long as our relationship is good, as, as long as all these things are, as long as we can see God doing good things in our life, then that, that's when we have great joy. Are we like that? Again, when God answers that prayer that we've been so desiring him to answer. But the question I have this morning is what about when we don't have that kind of evidence in our life? first point in our in our notes this morning is rejoice in the lord period i put a little parenthesis there and in the seen and the unseen in the known and the unknown god deserves for us to praise him we should be rejoicing in the lord we should have all of our joy be found in jesus and and i put that in the notes as well that we should let your joy your joy source be jesus period not in what he does to make your temporal life what you want it, but rejoice in him, period, because he's God and he loves you and he's given you life. Man, it's, it's something that we have to really get beyond because I have to be honest, we're all human, we all have flesh, and whenever we go through difficult times when things are bad, when, when we really don't like our job, when our finances just, seem can't, just they can't seem to get back to where they're supposed to be or can't get where they're supposed to be, period. When, when, when our relationship is just struggling, it seems like there's one problem after the other. We're always getting in arguments. When, whenever, you know, whatever, we, we can't seem to get healthy. We can't do that. What we want to do can't get back to where we need to get. Again, all those things, when, when our life temporally is not what we want it, do, are, are we guilty of just going around and saying, well, someday, you know, someday I'll get my joy back. Someday things will be better. Now, listen, I know it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for all of us. When stuff is going on and it, there's problems in the church and there's problems outside, there's problems, all those things, it's hard for me not to be like, you know, what's going on? But we need to remember that our joy doesn't come from the world. Our, our joy doesn't come from temporal blessings. Why? Because they're temporal. Why does it come from the world? Because the world eventually is going to go away. All that money we're seeking after, it goes away. All that health we're seeking after, which is good to be healthy. It's good to be a good steward of the things that God's given you money-wise. But to seek after and to find our joy in, in temporal things or worldly things is really a, a, an unwise and vain pursuit. Because it's all, it's all subject to change. Right? You, you, you spend so much time getting those promotions and getting all that stuff at that job and you're living for this so you can have this and you have that and have this, have that, have that. No, nothing wrong with having things. God blesses us with things. But to live for that and to be, that, to be your pursuit. And then in one moment, the boss comes and says, sorry, company sold out. Everybody's gone. Whoa, wait a second. How are we going to pay? How am I going to do this? How? Don't, don't, let the th don't let temporal things be your source of joy. But let it, let it be the one who is never changing, who has given you the greatest blessing and the greatest blessing. Again, now there's, there's no question we should rejoice in the hand of God in, in the things that we can see. There's no question, man, when, when God blesses you and God heals that loved one that you've been praying for, when, when God does those things that we can see, we should absolutely rejoice. But again, we should rejoice in the Lord always. 
just as the Apostle Paul said, from a prison cell about to be killed for his faith. He said in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, Paul could have said, but for me, I'm sitting here in this dungeon. I'm sitting here about to die because I've been following Jesus Christ. And it's hard for me. No, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And you see God doing great things in your life? Has he been answering some prayers and you're like, man, this is so cool. Then rejoice, absolutely. You should rejoice in the things that God allows you to see and things that God blesses you with. Now let me ask you this. What about you're in your Christian life and do things seem dormant? There's no really movement that you perceive. Are you there? Have you been there? I know I've been there. Where I've been praying for certain things and I've been asking God and it just seems like nothing. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I really feel like this is God's will and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. But things seem like there, there, there's no movement. Maybe there's, there's clouds in your life. It's dark. Thing, they, they seem wrong. Nothing seems to be going right. Is that where you are? Rejoice there too. Rejoice in the Lord there too. You say, Brother Kyle, how? I've tried. I've, I've tried to put on a smile and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. And try to tell myself, say, okay, God, I trust you. And I've tried and I've tried. But, man, it just keeps getting worse. It stays bad. Nothing gets better. I'll tell you how you do it is you rejoice in that the Lord is your Lord. He's your Lord, and you have a relationship with Almighty God. No matter what you see or experience on this earth, no matter what, no matter what you feel, no matter what you don't feel like, He's still God. He's still your God, and He's still good. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. He still keeps His word. He still keeps His promises. And one of those promises is He's going to come back and get us one day. We don't have to worry about any of the problems that we're dealing with right now. So if no other promise, hang on to that promise that he's coming back soon. And that leads us to the next point. But I want to remind you, our, our, our job is to keep steady on, to be steadfast, to be unmovable as we serve the Lord. Just as we've seen with Stephen, just as we've seen with Philip, just like the Samaritans, to rejoice in, in what we see, what we don't see. You say, again, I just can't seem to do that, Pastor. I, I, I can't. I, I've tried. I can't, I can't rejoice when things are gloomy. I can't rejoice when things are bleak. When there's no movement in my spiritual life, I try to read. I can't read the Bible. I try to pray. It doesn't feel like anything happens. And there seems to be no end in sight. Our family faces one problem after the other. I try. I can't do it. I'm going to tell you this morning the only way that you can is to press even more deeply, even more committed, to press in even more intimately with the Lord, to get, that, to, get to that place of, of being uncomfortable in your pressing into Him. See, your, your circumstances can't be the source or the steering wheel of your joy because every single time your circumstances will change. I've been there before too, uh, many times where it seems like so many things are going good spiritually, in life, 
Like, everything seems to be, it just seems like you're just walking in a season of blessings. And then something changes. And then everything changes. Circumstances can't be the source of a joy. Again, Jesus has to be, period. You have to see that Jesus is enough, period. He's enough for me. I don't need money or fame or stuff. I don't need this. I, I just want him, and not, not just what he can fix in my life either. And that's something that we have to remember, that sometimes we, we like the benefits that come along with being in a relationship with Christ. And sometimes we may fall more in love with those benefits than we do him. How can we, how can we do this? How can we joy, rejoice no matter what? How can we press on, continue in difficulty? How can we rejoice and serve the Lord with gladness, just as Psalms chapter 100 verse 2 says? To come into his presence with singing, no matter what's going on. How could Philip do this? Again, the church had seemingly been torn apart, death and hurt, persecution. It looks gloomy and bleak. They'd seen thousands of people get saved, thousands of people get baptized after they got saved. Thousands of people joined the church. There was, there was so much going on good. And then all of a sudden, cl- the storm clouds came. People started dying. Persecution came to the church in a severe fashion. They kept going on and preaching the gospel everywhere. How is this possible? Why, why would they do that? What's the benefit? How can Christians, how can you... If you're battling personally, right now you're, you're battling something personally. Maybe it's in church. Maybe it has to do with your job at work. There's somebody that you're working with and it's just, oh. Or some people that you're working with. Maybe it's in your family. How can you continue to serve God with a smile? Rejoicing no matter what the difficulty. Do, do we just pretend? Do you just keep saying, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to fake it till I make it. No, don't do that. Don't be a fake. Don't fake it till you make it. Don't pretend. I believe the way that we do it is the way that Philip and others were able to. It's the way that other people that we see in our lives, some of the people that we see in our lives, how they're able to do it. And it's because of that relationship. It's real. Not because of the results Or the revenues, again, that come from being in a relationship with God, the benefits, but the relationship. How Philip was able to do it is is it was real to him. He saw Stephen give his life, and he saw Stephen see Jesus at the right hand of God. As, As Stephen was being stoned simply for sharing the gospel with people, he cries out and says, don't hold this against them. What kind of love is that? Stephen had been transformed. By the power of God, and now Philip, on the heels and the shadow of that, is still doing this with joy. I believe it's because of that most important relationship period. And point two is this. Rejoicing comes from relationship, not results and revenues. You want to know how you can rejoice no matter how dark the storm clouds are? No matter how bad things get in your life on this earth? No matter how lonely you feel no matter how hurt you are you want to know how you can still rejoice in all of the pain and all of the shadows and all the clouds you rejoice because of the relationship you have with jesus christ again a relationship with god almighty a holy god 
look, there's nobody in this place, myself included, I'd be at the back of the line, except for maybe a couple of you. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> My hunting friends, no. There's no way any of us deserve to be in a relationship with a holy God. None of us. Period. And so he allows us to enter into that relationship with him by his grace. And we, we trust him. We surrender our life to him. And, and, and we're able to walk through this life, through all the, 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 the ugly, all the, the darkness, all, all the, the bad. We're able to walk through all the circumstances and still truly, sincerely, not fake it till you make it, truly, sincerely rejoice. Because we can walk and talk with a holy God. So undeservedly. Those who are able to press on through difficulty, they can do that. You see them in your life. You see them, some of you know people going through things in this life, and they're here, and they're rejoicing, and they're praising God, sometimes even through tears and, and through struggle. And you say, how can someone do that? It's not because of what God is doing that they can see. It's not because of the things that God has given to them. Well, they're able to do that because they don't have any problems with money. Well, they're able to do that because they have a really good marriage relationship. It's not because of the results of the revenue. It's not what they have or they don't have in this earth. They are able to do that because of who he is. He is truly their Lord. He is truly their Savior. He's truly the love of their life. And their understanding of this and their daily walk in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a reality that no temporal agent can affect. I put that down in the note. You can write it down. Christians who can continue through difficulty, who can rejoice through difficulty, do so because of their daily relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That relationship is a reality in their life, and it's not, it can't be affected by any temporal agent. So no matter what storm comes at them, no matter what loss they endure, no matter how bad things get in this life, they are able to keep pressing on. Again, you face this great trial. How can you keep going, Christian? How can you keep smiling? How can you keep rejoicing? Man, how can you do that? We lost everything. We're dealing with everything. And then all these problems, how can you keep rejoicing? How, how do you do that? Because of my relationship with the Lord. How can you keep serving? Don't you need to stop? Don't you need to take a break? I keep serving because of my relationship with the Lord. The bottom line is, though, that that's what true Christianity is. So what is Christianity? It's not about a set of rules and regulations. Well, if thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this, you know, it's not about do's and don'ts. And it's not about what you get or gain. It's about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the only intercessor that we have between us and God, who's holy, and who will judge all unrighteousness, who will judge all sin ultimately one day. He's the mediator. He's the bridge. He's the door. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's the redeemer for all mankind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul said this, when Christ, who is your life, appears. He's our life. We have no life apart from Jesus Christ. And if we attempt to live what we call the Christian life by expectations, well, I think if I'm going to 
show up at church every week, and if I'm going to give money to church, and if I'm going to serve, and I'm going to, to, to be happy, if I'm going to do all those things, then I think that God should bless me like this. Watch out. <laughs> Again, we can't live by expectations and what we think it should be like. We can't live, again, by a list of rules and regulations, what it does or doesn't do for us. Why? Because when trials, again, and opposition comes, we'll stop. You'll quit. You'll give up. You'll run. You'll cave. And the work will cease. And I'm not suggesting that the mandates and the commands that we have in God's Word, the principles that are in His Word, are unimportant. They are absolutely important. By God's word, we learn the heart of God. We learn what is, what is good for us, what is, what is pleasing to God, and, and how to live a life in fellowship with God. Again, his word is vital. But if we're trying to live by a set of rules and not living by a sincere relationship, then I promise you breakdown is imminent. It's coming. If you're living by a relationship that you have with Christ, then obedience is a supernatural response to his word. It just happens. When you're walking daily and every day, you, you, you want to know what God has to say. You want to know what God has to feel about something, how God views something. And every day you're walking with him and you're talking with him and, and, and you're trying to, to, to just live in, in a relationship with him. Then when it comes to, comes to those things where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. When it says, Love those that hate you. When it says don't, don't repay evil for evil. When it says those things, you say, yes, Lord, I want to do that. That's, it's a response of joy, a supernatural response of joy to obey him. I'll give you an example, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. If, if assembling together what we're doing right now as believers, coming to church, is something that you do because you're supposed to do it or because you have to you've got to evaluate that is it that or, or is it something that you do as a response to your relationship with Christ and in a, in, a, in a supernatural response a desire to please the Lord that saved you to follow his plan see if I or you are living by any preconceived ideas, any personal preference, any personal agenda. Again, when that trial comes in your life, in my life, we will be affected. It will affect our faithfulness. It will affect our joy. It will affect our worship. It will affect our service. It will affect our giving everything. And I want to encourage you this morning to evaluate that. Evaluate your walk with the Lord. Let's all do that. Let's evaluate our Christianity. Have you made your Christianity, have you made your relationship with God about what he does or doesn't do, temporally speaking? Have you made it about what you have or what you don't have? I mean, really, I mean, it's easy to say no, but really evaluate that. Things are bad. How do you approach them? Have you made it about how you feel or how you don't feel? Have you made it about what you don't want or what you do want? And again, does that spill over into your response to God's word? How you live? 
how you gather, how faithfully you gather with the church, your involvement, how you share the gospel with other people. Let's ask ourselves that morning, that, that this morning. What is it about? What's your relationship about? Is it sincerely with him? I believe a major problem in our nation right now is that Christians, for the most part, have grown silent. We're not faithfully sharing the gospel with people. I said, I'm, just, I'm just afraid of what will happen. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of what will happen if we don't share it. I'm terrified of our friends, our loved ones, our, our, our neighbors, every, everybody who we know, our, the, our co-workers. I'm terrified of what they're going to experience for all of eternity if we don't share with them. That Jesus is the only way to eternal life eternal life. He's the only one. We've made Christianity more about what it does for us, how it helps us, than it is truly about Him. I believe if we truly saw and truly walked in that relationship with Him, then we would not be silent, just like Philip was. And I'll say this, if we're ever going to see a move of God, if we're ever going to see God do something far beyond what we could ask or think, it's going to happen because we've made our lives completely centered on the person of Jesus Christ and nothing else. It's about him. God Almighty left his glorious throne to clothe himself in flesh like ours, to die a death that no words could describe, to rise to give us life that no other person could give. Because of a love that we could hardly comprehend. Why? Why would God do that? Again, that love. To walk with us in this relationship we're talking about. To once again, in the cool of the day, to be restored, walking in that relationship. This morning, is your walk with the Lord about what he does for you? what he gives to you, how good life is? Or let me ask you this, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? He said himself, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through faith in him, through Jesus Christ. It's about a surrender to him, trusting him. I want to encourage you, whether you've placed your faith in Christ, you've surrendered your life to him, and you are in a relationship with him, or you haven't. It's so vital that right now in 2021, we make our relationship with him the most important thing in our life. Time's running out. Now is the time. In a minute, we're going to have an invitation. And during that invitation, if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you. Maybe you just need to come down here to this altar and say, God, that's me. I'm tired of it. I don't want to base my, my joy off of what goes good in my life or what goes bad in my life. I want, to, I want to be walking with you, and I want to have joy no matter what happens in my life. I want to walk with you in an intimacy. I want, to, I want to have a sincere relationship with you. And if you're here and you've never entered into that relationship, you can come at this time as well. I'd be happy to, to have someone take you over the side, not embarrass you. We're not going to do anything weird to simply show you in God's word how you can have a relationship with Christ, how you can know 100% that you're going to heaven when you die. You can say, I don't know, I, 
then you can grab me after the service and, and we, can, we can talk then. But don't leave this place without having 100% assurance that heaven's your eternal home. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you for the love that you show us, Lord, and, and this, this message this morning, uh, this, these points. Lord, realizing that our source of joy has to be you because everything else changes in this life. We change, but you never change. And so, Lord, help us to always press into you, to walk with you, to rejoice in, in you alone. God, all the, all the other things in this world, uh, again, will we'll follow. But Lord, help us to, again, center our lives on you. Lord, just move now as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.